The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. How is everyone this beautiful thir- Saturday, <laughs> keep thinking that it's Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. The uh, the weekend, Thanksgiving weekend is what it is, my friends. Uh, I hope that you've had a wonderful time so far with this uh, with Thanksgiving. I hope that you have had a good Thanksgiving and concentrated on the wonderful things that we need to be thankful for, my friends. These are trying times. These are very very trying times, and it can be very very easy. For us to get depressed, for us to get to focus on the negative, uh, there's enough uh, of that going on constantly. Let's take a breather and focus on the beauty of our friendship, of our loved ones, of our families, and of our country, my friends. It's still the greatest country in the world. That's why we've got an immigration problem, because everybody wants to come here. That's right. Um, the, the, I, I really, really am thankful uh, for being an American, my friends. I mean, so many things. While I was on my mission in Mexico, let me tell you, it was very, very interesting because we celebrated, while I was in Mexico, we would celebrate Thanksgiving. And it was very strange. Uh, it was a very strange holiday for Mexicans. And I think that that's the way that the rest of the world looks at it, that all of a sudden this country stops and is thankful to God. And the reason being, my friends, is because most countries, in most cultures, they talk about God, they believe in some type of a God, but when you really push, the, push them, they have no faith. They really don't. This is, this is the problem with the rest of the world, is that they base their faith on fake stuff. You know, it, it's like basing your faith on Santa Claus. It's a wonderful idea. It's a great uh, it, it's a great uh, uh, belief in Santa Claus, but it's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Remember that. So, uh, you know, the rest of the world, you know, they base their their uh, belief on freedom, on liberty and their country, but they don't have it. We have the Constitution, and that's what gives us freedom, liberty, and the culture that has developed from it. I mean, all you have to do, my friends, is look at every single immigrant that has come to our country and then practiced the American dream and how they have succeeded. Yeah, whether they are a person of color, as is popular to say, uh, or some somebody that's, you know, a European. When they come to this country and they practice the American dream, they succeed. And that's what it's all about. That's what I am thankful for, that reality. Okay, so who is our, uh, who's our guests today? Let me tell you, my friends, we've got a great show as usual, and we've got to jump right into it. First of all, we've got a new guest, Miss Maria Montoya, who's going to be talking to you about a letter that she wrote and the response from the news publication. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Then we've got my very good friend, Mr. Brent Smith, who is the county attorney uh, in Kenny County out in Brackettville. He's going to be giving us an update of what is happening in his uh, county, in his part of the woods. Then we've got Miss Kelly Perry, who is a state Republican official. She's going to be chatting with us about what is going on uh, statewide uh, with the politics of immigration and uh, the resistance. Yes, there is some resistance among the, in, within the party. Uh, against it, but um, we're working on it. And then our final guest, my friends, is my very good friend, Mr. A.J. Lauterbach, who is a retired sheriff who is now working for the land commissioner, Texas land commissioner. Um, He's going to be giving us some more background and information uh, about uh, what is going on at the border with this uh, island, this Fronton Island, which has become very, very controversial and very important for the for uh, uh, state law enforcement to take over. So, my friends, again, 
Welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, taking taking an opportunity to listen to us. I want to thank our sponsors, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform in Washington, D.C., and uh, our local uh, supporters uh, like the, Pachyderm, the Alamo Pachyderm Club. So, my friends, once again, thank you very much for, for joining us and for supporting us. Let's go to our first guest, Miss Maria Montoya. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, a new guest with us. I wanted to reach out to her because we talk a lot about fake news on our program. And uh, she has um, had a run-in with fake news. <laughs> uh, they, uh, she expressed an opinion, and there was pushback about her opinion. So, uh, let's welcome Miss Maria Montoya. Maria, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Maria, all right, let's talk about, first of all, tell us about this incident where you wrote a letter to uh, a, a publication, and what was the response? First of all, why did you write the letter? Well, I wrote the letter because um, uh, I keep in touch, or I try to read a lot of the El Paso, Texas news. I'm formally from El Paso. I was born and raised there, so I just like to keep keep you know keep up on the news. And also because the border is such a you know a hot button right now, there's such a crisis. So one of the things that caught my eye is um, an article in ElPasoMatters.com. It's one of the sites that I do go to because typically they're very two-sided. You know, they show both sides. So when I did read this article, the article had to do with the El Paso Enhanced Library Card. And there was an article uh, written by one of their reporters and uh, it talked about this library card that they want to um, put into action here where it would serve as a supplementary ID card. And, um, you know, which I thought was kind of weird because we all have IDs. We have our Texas government-issued IDs. So when I looked into it a little further, I started to see that there were several social justice advocacy groups that um, were the ones that had kind of fabricated this need. And the reason I say fabricated is because we have a system right now. You gather all your um, your qualified documents, you take them down to the um, you know Texas Public Safety Department and you get an ID. So um, what the advocacy groups were talking about though, is they felt that there was a need for this for the uh, homeless, the incarcerated, and undocumented um, migrants or immigrants. Um, and so I thought, okay, now, if they're incarcerated, they have papers where they left prison, which I understand serves as ID letters, you know, from the prison. If they're homeless, they won't get ID because anywhere you go, you have to have a valid address, an address that you can, um, you know, you, you tell people where you live. And so the only one it left kind of open for me was undocumented. And so um, what I did is I started to write about this um, I wrote an opinion piece, and I sent it to um, the opinion editor at uh, El Paso Matters, and uh, they rejected it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Did they tell you why? <laughs> well, they said that I didn't have supporting evidence. And then what I did when I responded, I said, you, uh, this is the supporting evidence that you wrote in your own columns. You know, I, I gave them an example of what I said and what they said, and it was the same thing, but of course, a different point of view. And so uh, they also wanted me to change all the the verbiage from uh, um, illegal immigrant to undocumented. <laughs> so I could see where that was going. <laughs> 
and as of yet, they have said they would not publish my um, my opinion. <laughs> now, yeah. what's very, very interesting with this whole library card issue is that in many states, in many major cities like San Francisco, like Boston, like uh, Washington, D.C., the mm-hmm. illegal aliens in those communities have received uh, library cards, and those library cards serve as official documents within those communities, within those cities. So, mm-hmm. obviously, this is a step one uh, oh, in yes. these communities to, uh, and somehow make them uh, make these undocumented, documented people. <laughs> yes, yes, because you know you you wonder what they'll be used for next. You know, uh, they talk about um, uh, receiving city services, you know, government services and receiving um, uh, what was the other one? They get services, of course, from the city and medical, medical and school, you know, lots of times when they need to go register their children in school, you know, they'll be, the school of course has for ID and um, they they will have something. Now, I think the um, what has happened that is a challenge for these organizations is that they have to get buy-in from a government service or a bank. One of them is banks. They have to go to the banks and say, please accept this as official government-issued ID. So that's one issue. But the second issue is, how did the library get involved in government or official government-issued IDs? What does the <laughs> library know about, you know, uh, qualified credentials that you have to have to prove you're a citizen? That's right. You know? That's that was right. my big question. And and it's going to be, it's a big job for librarians unless they're just going to qualify everybody that walks in with papers. That's you know, right. If they're going to do that, you know. That's right. So, and, and what's very interesting, again, is that um, these uh, these advocates uh, who want the this this documentation, the, the library card used as an official documentation, that document, those library cards in these other cities like San Francisco, like Los Angeles, are now used for them to vote in local elections. Oh, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know it, it is it is a. Uh, a slide, a downhill slide that I think that they're trying to to, to create in El Paso. Now you've yes. got you've got a very liberal congresswoman in, in El Paso that I'm sure is not going to say too much about it, as well as uh, other very very liberal people. You know, Beto he lives in that area and uh, a few right. others. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they uh, they're going to be sympathetic towards this. Oh yes, yes, they definitely are not going to say anything about it. In fact, that's why I think my uh, article didn't get you know published because they don't want that much. They don't want to stir the pot in any way. But you know, another challenge. One of the things that bothers me a lot about this is they they twist the laws. They and I said, like I said, fabricated because. What the Austin, what city, the city of Austin was worried about is the Texas Public Information Act, which has to do with uh, a person's privacy and, and the information. And so they, what they did, I can read uh, what, uh, who is Johnson? Johnson is um, on the executive team and he said, we could create as much anonymity of information as possible, Johnson said. Various ways to keep data private are being explored, like storing the data with a nonprofit that is not subject to the Texas Public Information right. Act. <laughs> so they're, they're circumventing what is officially there, mm-hmm. you know? And this is how we get into the argument of a broken illegal system. Really, the laws are there. People just want to go around them. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. And what, you know, if they're going to circumvent them and and hide them, hide the information, what are they hiding? Why are they hiding? Yes. Yes. You know, that's that's exactly right. Yes. It's not on the up and up. That's right. Maria, thank you very much for taking time. I mean, you have shown how a a public publication, a publication that's supposed to be a public uh, forum, is uh, is 
is is publicizing what they want to do, but they will or what they want, but uh, refusing to uh, publish a, a tell counter the view. other side exactly. Yes. Isn't that sad? Tell the others. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks oh, for having thank me. you, folks. We've been speaking with uh, our good friend, our our new uh, guest, Miss Maria Montoya, and uh, Maria, keep up the good work, keep up the good fight, and uh, we'll be in touch uh, if there's an if there's any further development or if you've got another story to tell. All righty. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our our good friend, Mr. Brent Smith, who is the attorney for uh, Kenny County, which is out uh, west of us, about uh, 150 miles west of San Antonio. It's right on the border, and it has been an epicenter of uh, the border crisis. And I'm uh, I'm very proud to talk to uh, to Brent because Brent was uh, one was one of the individuals, if not the catalyst, to start uh, bringing attention uh, to the state of Texas leaders about what was going on in the uh, counties uh, that were bordering, and those counties that were bordering. Well, let's talk to him. Brent, thank you. Welcome to the show, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it, George. So we've been talking, and I, I was noticing that the first uh, interview that we did with you was uh, a little over three years ago. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we've, uh, we've been following this and talking to you. So at this point, where are you? Because the rest of the world seems to have woken up. Uh, at least well, you know, a little I, bit. <laughs> I, you know, little did I know that that actually was the first interview that I've actually probably ever done as as a county attorney is when I was on your show. <laughs> but you know, and I've been a lot of interviews back. But you know, the uh, the situation now, I think it's it, there's two types of issues I guess that come to mind. One is on the logistics side, the law enforcement presence that we have now is actually less than what we had. Uh, well, no, I take that back. You know, at the very beginning, before Operation Lone Star began, we had nothing. Um, when Operation Lone Star started, we did have quite a bit of law enforcement on the ground, on the ranches, you know, making arrests on people that were here illegally trespassing. Um, now, as Operation Lone Star has expanded, those same resources have had to cover a greater area. So they've been spread thin. And we're having trouble even getting people now to make arrests on the ranches because there's no one to respond. So we're kind of backtracking. You know, because the operation has spread, which is good, but the resources haven't been, you know, supplemented. So I guess that's the one part of the logistics side that we're um, not as as good, I don't think, on. But the other part of this that we're definitely worse off is the um, the threat level. I mean, you know, before having an open border is has all kinds of bad consequences that come with it for property owners for the illegal aliens coming over for everybody but now with the situation in the middle east the terrorist threat has been elevated to a place that even the federal government has stated we've never seen this level before since 9 11 that's what worries me even more is now this immigration issue is coupled with a terroristic threat and you know i think too many people forget it only took 19 individuals in 2001 to change this world forever yep that's right and you know, and the other part that I see that we we're definitely in a worse spot on is when this first when this crisis first started, we had cooperation from Border Patrol. Border Patrol was still somewhat trying to implement policies to secure border. They didn't have enough resources and they were spread thin. But as this crisis has escalated, their policies have shifted even more to you know, it's kind of like having a barn door that's open. Their policies have just made it even wider. Um, you know, there's even less enforcement of laws on the border now than there was before on the federal government part. And now, not only are their policies laxed, they're actually taking measures to, you know, um, work against the state of Texas. You know, they're cutting seawater on the river. Um, I've had even reports of border patrolmen cutting fence wire on ranches, and uh, and it's it's to where some of their actions. Or actually harming our effort versus at least at the very beginning they were somewhat assisting 
And so I think the federal government's part has gone much worse on our end. So that's kind of, you know, what I see is, is on a, on a report card kind of thing is, uh, the federal policies have gone worse and, um, the terroristic threat has gone much worse. And that's, that's what scares me the most. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, again, it used to be that, uh, the people that were coming across were, you know, um, folks who claimed that they were coming to work and who, uh, you know, in the time of my grandparents, people just coming across to work and then go back, that kind of, that is very different from, from the oh, kind yeah, of people that, that are coming I, now. Uh, what kind totally. of nationalities are you guys running into in your in your area? Well, it, it all depends um, on the smuggling and, and the trespassing part. Mo, I, I, if I had to guess, most are Honduras, Mexican, uh, some Chinese, uh, Venezuelan. It, it's still kind of all over the place. And, you know, at this point, with the, what's even crazier is with the federal policies in place, there's still a lot of them evading law enforcement. So you're like, why at this point, if you know you're going to be released, are you evading law enforcement? And the only reason that comes to mind is they aren't going to pass a criminal background check or getting processed. And so they don't want to be apprehended by any type of border control. So that's even makes it the situation even worse, George. Now, the uh, state of Texas has been talking about uh, a bill that would allow local uh, local law enforcement to arrest people. Have you heard about that? And do you think that would be beneficial to your um, to your county? I believe I believe you're talking about SB four, which passed yes. last night in Austin. Yes, you know the the whole thing with any law, George, that we have in our on our books is the deterrence. What level of deterrence or what deterrence will you know make the result that you want? And in this case, we want a secure border. The deterrent that I believe that we need is for them to be denied access if they come over illegally. No one's saying they can't come through the port of entry, which the federal government controls with their policies and procedures. But when you enter the state illegally, that's a whole different story. And I believe this law, which authorizes the voluntary return of these people to the country which they cross from, which would be Mexico, I think it's going to be a game changer. I think you're going to see the traffic swell in Arizona and diminish in Texas once it's actually implemented. And people really don't know. Again, the difference is that people, that illegal aliens are coming across the bridge versus coming through the woods, coming through the uh, through a smuggler. And those smugglers, uh, those chases, for example, create a real uh, threat to safety, to public safety, do they not? Absolutely. You know, and, and I don't know if your listeners are aware of the sad story that happened in Batesville the other day where eight individuals were killed, including two people from Georgia that were just U.S. citizens, innocent bystanders in a head-on collision. What's interesting is that driver, that smuggler, who was actually a legal alien as well, he had a, an existing removal, court order removal from an immigration judge. And Border Patrol and ICE, through their policies, didn't deem him as a, a um, oh, a, an important removal or a priority so they released him back to his mother in San Antonio and he, he was 17 years old wow. if if that law that Texas passed last night would have been implemented at the time that he was arrested by county deputies in Zavala he would have been removed he would have been taken out and literally that wreck would not have happened if we had that law in place by the state of Texas so that, that tells you right there those would have been seven lives saved that you know that really really is uh is very very sad that um this that that kind of thing has to happen and these people are not even supposed to be here in the United States incredible yeah. incredible well let me let me just uh, ask you in closing um your county uh continues the battle continues to lead uh, other counties uh in, in working uh, to uh, to address the issue, there are still though some counties that are dragging their feet, and I don't understand why. Uh, who refuse to say that there is even uh, their leadership refuses to even say that there's a border crisis? Uh, give me your thoughts on that before we let you go, buddy. You know, I can all I can say is that lo- local elections are just important as your national ones, and I would say even more important if your leaders, your local leaders thinks there's not a problem on the border that's a huge problem in and of itself i mean not you know so because there's only two results of that position george they're either ignorant or being deceitful one of the two 
mm-hmm. and and either one is a problem. Yeah. And so I would say you need to vote him out of office because I, I, it's my position. I think if someone has in an elected office will not admit right now that there's a problem at the border, a huge problem, they're never going to. It's never going to be big enough for them to actually admit that there's a problem. Right. Because, you know, that's like everyone saying, well, you know, once the situation at the border gets worse or bad enough, Biden will act. <laughs> if, he, if he was going to act, he would have done it a long time ago. You know, this is this is not by accident. This is exactly what he wants to be implemented. So that's what my advice would be is get him out of office if, they, if that's their position. You got it, buddy. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with my buddy. Mr. Brent Smith, who is the attorney for the county attorney for Kenny County, uh, which is Brackettville, Texas, way over on the on the uh, west end of uh, west of San Antonio. And uh, Brent, you guys, you have done a great job in leadership on this issue. Keep it up, buddy. I appreciate it, George. Thank you. You've got it once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got my very good friend, Miss Kelly Perry. She's been on the show a long time, uh, several times, should I say. Uh, A long time ago, she started coming on our show because um, she is one of the original folks who was raising the alarm about the uh, border crisis, the broken border. And uh, here we are with a broken border that's reaching now all the way to New York and Chicago. And uh, it's still broken. (laughs) So I wanted to get uh, Kelly to come on and talk to us and tell us about, uh, give us an update of what's happening there in her backyard. She is with the executive, she is on the executive board of the Republican Party of Texas. And she serves an area that is right on the border uh, in Brackettville, Del Rio, that uh, part of the uh, state. So, Kelly, thank you for taking time to be with us. Hello, George. How are you doing? Real good. Please give us an update. Tell us about what's going on in your neck of the woods there. So, what we're seeing is um, we're seeing single men um, under the age of 30. A few families now and there, but uh, a lot of people from China, from Russia, from really everywhere um but more so now is uh it's picking up um the violence of everyone everywhere um as far as crime goes across our state and across the country too the crime is is uh stepping up to the point where um there are a lot of different gangs taking over different areas of, and we can just refer to our three major cities here, um, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. If if someone looks for those numbers, they'll see them. Um, there's people coming in now, and and they're you know no one is vetted, and the amount of of bad people has increased you know cell phones go a long way you can send messages all over the world and that's really what they've done they know you know everything that we have done so far to uh deter them they know i mean to to me the barriers and the constantino wire and all of that on their phones they probably just come up as you know road hazards and they Replan on how they're coming in. I'm hearing that uh, Arizona is being hit extremely hard, extremely hard, um, as well as here also. But me, the numbers are just doubling, tripling, you know, as we go along every day. Let me ask you this, because um, there's there's some elements in play as well, besides these criminals crossing the border uh, and terrorists. We have in San Antonio, for example, uh, because it is a sanctuary city, although it's not supposed to be, they, uh, the police are not allowed to ask about um, the uh, citizenship, the status of, a, of citizenship of an individual. 
who right. they are also in some places, like in Austin, they have to be careful that they don't um, profile, that they don't racially profile someone, and uh, which makes it difficult for you know not only the st- this, the the immigration status, but uh, how you describe somebody. And then the other thing is just the general uh, effort to. Uh, Contain the police and to uh, and to um, well defund them, demoralize them. I mean, don't aren't those elements aren't those elements going to impact with this wide open border and these these cartels, these criminals that know uh, how to get around the law? You know what I'm hearing, and I was on a call the other night with um, um, a lady that uh, is a came here legally and she's in Chicago and she said up there in because it's a sanctuary area of course that it's very sad because the lawlessness that's being um the lawlessness that's being done to illegals you have to um you can't call anybody so if, if crimes are being committed against them, what do you do? You call the police? What are they gonna what are they gonna do to whoever? Are they gonna arrest somebody? They just they don't call them. They don't have anything they don't have anywhere to put them. They don't have anything to do with them. That's incredible. But, yes. So this this border crisis has reached the whole United States and um, it was you know George when we first started talking about it we kept saying and saying you know it's coming to us right it's coming to a city near you it's coming to a city near you and because the liberal news wouldn't cover it um, people didn't believe it they just didn't believe it and they're still not covering completely (laughs) No, no, they're not. And you know, George, people, our DPS, our, our, our border patrol, our local law enforcement, people are exhausted. They're so tired. And you know what? They're so tired at a time and we're out of people. We don't have people to, to take care of uh, the issues and, and the numbers and worse and worse. And there's just no, um, there's no more people to call to come help. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, it's, we're, me, we, uh, we're, me, we're reaching a terrible place. You know, we worry here because our chases and bailouts and even the rollovers, everything has just gotten completely out of control. And, um, you know, the more chases they do, the more the odds are that something serious is going to happen to them. Right. And, and I don't mean the smugglers. They happen, they, the things happen to them all the time. Um, but really, our local law enforcement. Well, innocent people, like in, the, in Zavala County the other day, that, um, that family that was hit, hit on, head on and killed by a, a mm-hmm. smuggler that was fleeing the police. Yes, you know, 17 years old. That kid was 17. And, um, but if you look, you know, there's not, there actually is a place that all of these things are given to, but the numbers collectively across the state and across the country are not really given out. No. Like, you know, wrecks and murders and shootings and everything with the illegals, you have to, personally, you'd have to sit down and call every single city to get a a real idea of what's going on. And um, it's, it's unfathomable that we have let the security of not just our state, you know, our state, we, we're scared. People are scared. Everybody's carrying guns everywhere. And, um, where I live, I won't say that, you know, I'm not nervous all the time when I'm out 
after dark or um the other day we had parked our cars someplace right here in my little town and we were all getting back and getting in our own cars we were kind of talking it was 9 30 and you know i got so nervous i said you know ladies we we need to all go we need to go we cannot stand out here and talk it wasn't late it's just that these people are are here and they don't think like we do and you know in our little town you have to lock your car if you get out at a convenience store because we've had people come up and jump in the car with with others here wow you know it, it is really really uh telling when the culture the behavior of people in your community has to change only because that border is wide open it is and and you and i both know i don't i don't I don't like to scare people. I just want them to know the truth and to take steps to prevent worse things happening. But, you know, we keep focusing on our border crisis and the issues coming from our border crisis. But the terrorism, I'm looking, I keep asking, I'm watching the news, I'm trying to find stuff. Where is our counterterrorism people? Yeah. Yes. Law enforcement. Where where, where are, they? are they? Are we still, you know, I noticed when I was working a lot with the legislation that, you know, everything that we were doing was months behind, late. So I worry now that we're just now getting to trying to handle the border, some of it, and we're just still focusing on what was happening almost in 2022. Mm-hmm. We have to you know, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this, but, you know, with everything happening in Israel, Gaza, Iran, for us to ignore that after our borders have been open for so long, it's very terrifying it because you do, we can say we don't know, but that knowing what has come in our border, everybody should be very worried and I don't know. And and I don't know. Have you seen any response in our state to what could be or is already here? Well, I was going to ask you that, but we're running out of time here. Let me um, let me uh, just ask you one more quick question that you could answer, if possible. There in your community, in your little community, uh, are you running out of money? Um, Is the county running out of money? Is the city running out of money to... uh, take care of all these um, necessities that are popping up because of uh, the illegal alien invasion? You know, we are. We are running out of money, and it's my understanding there's a lot of other counties that have depended on Operation Lone Star, and they're having trouble getting um, the money they need to combat it in their areas, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, that's yet another another facet of the, of uh-huh. the folks. We've been speaking with our good friend Miss Kelly Perry, who is the, on the executive board for the Republican Party of Texas. Uh, she has been in the front lines from the very, very beginning of this border crisis. Kelly, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Thank you, George. You take care, and folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our, our, our good friend, uh, and, uh, Sheriff A.J. Lauderback, and uh, he is uh, retired, and he is now working in Austin, working for the Texas Land Commissioner, uh, Don Buckingham. I wanted to get him on to talk a little bit more, my friends, about what is happening at the border with this very, very dangerous situation that we hear about uh, with regards to Fronton Island right there on the Rio Grande. Uh, I think we're getting we're getting some indication, but we're not getting the the, the full story from the uh, from the mainstream press. So. Uh, AJ, thank you for taking time. Talk to us. Give us an idea of what is going on in, uh, in uh, along the border on, in, at this Fronton Island. 
Well, thank you, George. Always a pleasure to be on your show, and uh, you, you do such a great job on uh, on informing uh, the, the public on the, on the truth about the uh, the chaos at the southern border and what what effect um, the Biden policies have had uh, on on the border and in, in it, you know, and on the United States and especially Texas. This uh, this area. Uh, of the southwest border in uh, Stark County, uh, Fronton Island, has is the heart and center of a major um, a major cartel uh, war uh, between Noreste uh, Cartel de Noreste and uh, Cartel de Golfo or Gulf Cartel, and this uh, this has been one of the most violent. Uh, uh, areas that we've ever been able to get drone footage on on a regular basis uh, and uh, essentially prove uh, the operations uh, on, on, on how the cartels operate and how, uh, how important it is to have this, this, um, these types of gateways into the United States and really what they represent. So now for over three months, um, the cartel de Noreste, which is uh, part of the Olazetas group, is is pushing down uh, onto the Gulf uh, Gulf Cartel property, and the the, the boundary lines, the Fronton Island, Stark County, is uh, is definitely Gulf Cartel territory. But Cartel de Noreste is much more aggressive. Uh, they're better trained, and they're not. They have no fractions at all. It, it is. Uh, you know, Noreste um, completely. And uh, so in the Laredo area, uh, we only have one cartel that they deal with there. That's that's uh, Cartel de Noreste. And uh, so the Gulf Cartel has about six, seven factions of, of small groups still under the Gulf Cartel, but uh, they they're definitely have different leadership and uh, not quite as unified. Uh, but they're putting up a hell of a fight uh, to hold on to, to, a, to a very lucrative uh, area, uh, which is called Fronton Island. And there's a series of islands there. Uh, Fronton was was uh, due to due to Land Commissioner Don Buckingham. Uh, this is now Texas property, so it's 170 acres. We added to the to the uh, to the, to the uh, Texas uh, uh, land ownership. So there's two other islands there. Uh, but these are really staging areas for the cartel, for the for the Gulf Cartel, and they um, they are actively fighting uh, uh, to take that away and push the Gulf Cartel further south towards Miguel Aleman and towards Rio Grande City. Um, so that's that's where the fight is going on. But what we're seeing with, with, with drone footage. Uh, or explosions, uh, full automatic machine gun fire from the, either from the, like a 60, uh, like an M60 or a squad 249, military style weapons are the, are the order of the day, uh, long rifle usage uh, every night, um, sometimes during the day, uh, open gun battles. Um, Mexican military just got involved this last, uh, well, about, about a week and a half ago, and um, so we've got footage uh, where the, when the when Mexican military showed up, uh, about six of them took off, and uh, we we were able to follow that until uh, you know all six of those were shot. But we we uh, we don't see uh, we don't see as enough of that, um, and so uh, it's it is a. Um, it's it's really a terrible situation to spill over, but it's, it's the value of the property of the narcotics that come in here. This is not an area where asylee status is usually is usually obtained. This is purely cartel country for uh, running narcotics in the U.S. So that's its that's its claim. It's a very remote area. Um, and uh, very difficult for Borchol to get to, so the the land has been flat topped, is now sand uh, with concertina wire. Three strands of concertina wire have been put down by the Texas Military Department, and um, this this whole island has been secured and and uh, really really opened up for surveillance, uh, where the Borchol is now able to um, the Texas Military Department is able to they're able to mo- they, they can drive on it. 
uh, where we've got good road structure now. We've, we've got everything necessary really to, to really help out and kind of remove that, uh, you know, from the Gulf Cartel, which has really kind of moved them upriver west and now using two other islands. And they are they are real islands. They have water all the way around them. And they're about 100 acres, uh, maybe a little over, uh, a little bit smaller than Fronton. But Fronton um, it had eventually dried up and was not, not really a, a, an island anymore. It used to be, but... but um, and that's one of the reasons why the state claimed it and didn't have any opposition from the Mexican government or anyone else, for that matter, uh, to claim it. So it, be, it became part of Texas now. But it is a, it's a, it is a, a extremely dangerous area. It's uh, uh, it's gunfire, long uh, long strings of full automatic weapon fire from both sides, armored vehicles. Uh, are, are seen on the videos. It is um, it is a, it is a violent area uh, with with a lot of a, a lot of um, the, the you know the the men that are fighting this war. Uh, several of them uh, come over after every gunfight and kind of swim the river and divest their, their their guns and clothing in the river and swim over swim on or are actually caught there somewhere somewhere outside of Roma, uh, you know around. Uh, uh, around the little town of Fronton itself, so uh, you know it's it's um, it's been really enlightening as to you know how the cartel operate, and how we're able to, to obtain the footage like we are. Let me ask you: uh, We noticed that uh, that uh, migrants tend to go through either Brownsville and McAllen or through Eagle Pass and El Paso, but we see very few of them go through through Laredo. Uh, and, and that area is that is that probably because of the 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 violence between the cartels going on there? It's probably a factor in that um, the, the entire city of Las Guerras is right across from Fronton Island, and this is this is an abandoned city. This is a vacant city. This is probably a a city just like in the U.S. Uh, great road structure, uh, you know, housing, swimming pools. Uh, all these and these houses are empty. Many of them are shot up, shot to pieces. Uh, but they they have abandoned the entire the entire city is is abandoned. And so um, I, I think this this has something to do with with um, you know obviously the war there. Uh, if you go to Miguel Alamán, which is south, uh, right across from Rio Grande City, it's uh, it's it's a it is a base of operations for the for the uh, Gulf Cartel. And um, so this this is the, the this is the battleground area there, uh, fourteen fifteen miles from from Rio Grande City, and um, and then of course up 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 river uh, for another uh, almost all the way to Zapata uh, Zapata County uh, before you before you start getting into after Zapata you start getting into uh, uh, Noreste. Um, cartel de Noreste area, so uh, where, where their operations are. So you know it's um, it, it's it's good to see uh, you know the cartels fighting themselves, but the end result of ownership of of, of more. Uh, of, of more property that uh, they're able to conduct criminal uh, criminal uh, operations or, or what's most concerning and, and what's most bothersome to Border Patrol and to Texas law enforcement. So this is, um, right now they're occupied with fighting their self um, and, and that's about the only thing the cartel is, is, is afraid of. They're, they fear no one uh, other than a rival cartel. Wow. They, because they will, uh, they'll extract the kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of horror. They'll do things to them. Um, you know, they'll they'll uh, butcher each other, and um, you know, more so, and uh, more willing to do that than anything else. So, they actually fear the fear another rival gang coming in wow. and taking their property and taking their ability to make money uh, off of the plaza area that they're that they that they control. Well, let me um, ask you this last question, and then uh, we're, we're going to let you go. But um, the uh, situation with uh, politics on our side of the border, um, we uh, we have seen some sheriffs uh, that uh, are very, very gung-ho about um, getting involved and fighting the uh, invasion Etc. Etc. And then we're seeing others that are just, you know, I mean, we've heard some that say that there is no border problem. 
What are your thoughts? Well, I would say they're delusional in that respect. That that's not just simply not correct. I mean, uh, the uh, just to say there's 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 no problem. Uh, I mean, we we have a catastrophe at the, at the southern border. No one has ever seen in the history of, of the U.S. border uh, anything like this. Uh, so politically, uh, you know, a, a sheriff's able to take whatever position they want on this issue, but but uh, know this. Their citizenry is affected by this. This is a. Uh, there's nothing good about this. The uh, the, the total catastrophe of, of the Biden administration's policies here on the border. Uh, they're they're absurd. They're they're. Uh, uh, you know, I, I lack the verbal to to really d- define how much how many problems and how many what we're going to have after this after this administration is gone uh, and hopefully we can remove this administration next the next election cycle but um you know we uh, anyone to anyone to say that we don't have a border issue we had 240,000 uh this this last month another record uh from the border patrol so i mean yeah we have a problem we, we've got a, a, a uh, uh, such a huge issue uh, it's, it's number one on almost every poll that's done in texas is what are we going to do about the southern border and how we're going to stop this and um you know that the, with Senate Bill Four passing, we uh, we may can start to make start to make some changes in this area. But um, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I do not understand uh, how someone could say that there's there's no issue here; it's not a problem, <laughs> or elect to take a position of of not doing anything, uh, not being proactive in trying to to, to uh, take care of their citizens, <laughs> because that that's simply not. not I don't think what. Uh, what the oath of office says yep well we're going to let you go thank you very much folks we've been speaking with our good friend uh former uh sheriff aj lauterbach who is now working in the texas land commissioner's office uh sheriff thank you very very much for taking time to be with us and uh let's get you back on give us an update of what is going on well, certainly, George, and I'm so appreciative of you uh, bringing this kind of information to, to, to light, uh, you know, in our state and for the, for the rest of the nation to see uh, on how besieged we are uh, on the Texas border. So thank you again, George. You got it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Mm-hmm.